David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin Ant, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.59 a.m. Central Standard Time. It is the 11th of December, 2019. This is episode 174 of Bitcoin and... Jack has a tweet. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Jack Dorsey tweeted out this morning something. Shall we read it? I think we shall. Twitter is funding a small independent team of up to five open source architects, engineers, and designers to develop an open and decentralized standard for social media. The goal is for Twitter to ultimately be a client of this standard. Twitter was so open early on that many saw its potential to be a decentralized internet standard like SMTP, the email protocol. For a variety of reasons, all reasonable at the time, we took a different path and increasingly centralized Twitter. Oh, bad, Jack. But a lot's changed over the years. First, we're facing entirely new challenges centralized solutions are struggling to meet. For instance, centralized enforcement of global policy to address abuse and misleading information is unlikely to scale over the long term without placing far too much burden on people. Second, the value of social media is shifting away from content hosting and removal and towards recommendation algorithms directing one's attention. Unfortunately, these algorithms are typically proprietary, and one can't choose or build alternatives. Yet. Third, existing social media incentives frequently lead to attention being focused on content and conversation that sparks controversy and outrage rather than conversation which informs and promotes health. Whatever. Finally, new technologies have emerged to make a decentralized approach more viable. Blockchain, oh God, Jack, points to a series of decentralized solutions for open and durable hostings, governance, and even monetization. Much work to be done. But the fundamentals are there. Some of these issues were emphasized by Stephen Wolfram in a blog post following his Senate hearing titled Optimizing for Engagement, Understanding the Use of Pervasive Technology on Internet Platforms. Recently, we came across M-M-A-S-N-I-C-K on Twitter. His article, Protocol, Not Platforms, which captures a number of the challenges and solutions. But more importantly, it reminded us of a credible path forward. Hire folks to develop a standard in the open. Square is doing exactly this for Bitcoin with Square Crypto. For social media, we'd like this team to either find an existing decentralized standard they can help move forward, or failing that, create one from scratch. That's the only direction we at Twitter Inc. will provide. Why is this good for Twitter? It will allow us to access and contribute to a much larger corpus of public conversation, focus our efforts on building open recommendation algorithms which promote healthy conversation, and will force us to be far more innovative than in the past. There are many challenges to make this work that Twitter feels right becoming a client of this standard. 
which is why the work must be done transparently in the open, not owned by a single private corporation, furthering the open and decentralized principles of the Internet. We'd expect this team not only to develop a decentralized standard for social media, but to also build open community around it, inclusive of companies and organizations, researchers, civil society leaders, all who are thinking deeply about the consequences, positive and negative. This isn't going to happen overnight. It will take many years to develop a sound, scalable, and usable decentralized standard for social media that paves the path to solving the challenges listed above. Our commitment is to fund this work to that point and beyond. We're calling this team Blue Sky, which is at Blue Sky on Twitter. Our CTO at Paraga A, or I'm sorry, Paraga, P-A-R-A-G-A, will be running point to find the lead, who will then hire and direct the rest of the team. Please follow or DM at Blue Sky if you're interested in learning more or joining. So apparently, uh, so uh, Jack's got some open positions over there at, at Twitter. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what to think about this. It sounds good and all, right? But he says social media like it's a catch-all, and yet all I can think about is all of the social media platforms that we have, how on earth would a standard be able to be developed uh, that can support all of the different types of social media that are out there? And quite frankly, it's not that I'm it's not that I don't think that it can't be done. It's that wow, what dude, talk about taking a big old bite of something. I'm not sure. But if he's you know, if Jack, you know, if he's if he's uh being honest and he really wants this and he, and it really is the way that he's kind of describing it, it could be good. Now you know, Preston Byrne on Twitter, uh, had one of his immediate reactions is that he might get sued by his Twitter shareholders because it's going to destroy the revenue model for Twitter itself. You know, my, my reaction was, well, what if, what if he's planning on using square crypto as the, you know, as uh, payments betting for all of it, because if he can capture payment betting for all of the social media, because well, he's going to be able to hook in Square Crypto right from the get-go because it's his team building the damn thing, then uh, at least the Square Crypto guys, their shareholders would be making out like bandits. But I'm not so sure that we should count Jack out, you know, for the count or think that he's completely naive because like, well, I mean, what I mean by that is if he were to destroy the Twitter revenue model, he would be sued by his shareholders of Twitter. That's just going to happen. Okay, so I don't think Jack's that stupid. I think he's got some kind of plan. I don't know what that would look like because reading through this list of tweets, it's very nebulous, right? So we'll have to see what happens after the quote-unquote fog of war starts, starts to thin when we start finding out who is getting hired to these positions. But still, a damned interesting development out of... Jack. Now, uh, we have to we have to say our farewell to a dearly be, beloved Twitter bot at crypto deleted is now suspended and it will probably not come back. And if you are a uh, fan like I am of at, at crypto deleted, um yeah, this is a bad deal. And there are several well-known um people who are, you know, in in the the cypherpunk movement that seem to be cheering 
the death of our dear, dearly departed. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, again, this is something that I don't know what, what to think about. Um, I thought that crypto deleted, uh, did a pretty good job personally. Now, yeah, the algorithm seems to have seemed to have changed over the last few weeks. And apparently it pissed a shit ton of people off, but I never really saw anything all that different. All I would ever see because I, you you know, followed that, that Twitter account was people deleting asinine statements, you know, making, making us, you know, big blockers or well-known, um, well-known people in the space, making us really, really dumb statements and then deleting it. And I, you know, in my opinion, I thought crypto deleted did kind of a public service. Did it go a little too far at times? I don't know, I guess, but Jesus, getting it, getting your panties all up in a wad and having a, a Twitter account banned because it was tweeting out the asinine statements that you may have made. And it's okay. We all say stupid shit. I say stupid crap all the time. <laughs> it's part of being human. It's, it's just part of being human anyway. So yeah, a uh, rip, uh, rip to our friend at crypto deleted. You can send flowers to, I, I don't know where, but anyway, there, there's your community stuff for the morning. Vitalis, brought to you by BitInfo Charts, mempool.space, and 1ml.com. We have Bitcoin at a price of 7223 Looks like the high is going to be chilling out over at CoinsBit at 7322 And we've got a low at, what's that going to be? That's going to be over at HitBTC at 7,171 we have 307,000 transactions being made over the last 24 hours with about 13,000 transactions being made per hour on average. 1.3 million Bitcoin have changed hands in that last 24 hours and about 55,000 BTC are being sent on average per hour. 4.26 BTC are being sent as the average transaction value and the median transaction value is 0.036 BTC or about 262 bucks. Block times are only a bit high at 10 minutes and 17 seconds. 0.17 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis. 25 BTC have been taken in fees over the last 24 hours. We have a drop in the hash rate of 3.13%, bringing us sub 90 to 89.65 exahashes per second. And the last commit to the GitHub core report repository was sometime this morning. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Hold on. No, 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 no. Sometime yesterday. Sorry about that. <clears throat> Ethereum is at, ooh, 144. Bcash is at 206. Litecoin is at 43. BSV is at 94. Ethereum Classic is at uh, three and change. Dogecoin is at 0. 0.0023. Seems to be the only one that actually did any kind of gain. 31,000 transactions over the last 24 hours for Doge squarely puts it on top of Litecoin, but just underneath Bcash at 33,731 transactions in the last 24 hours. Mempool, we are seven blocks deep and seven megabytes in the mempool of representing 10,988 unconfirmed transactions. And it looks like all the blocks are above one megabyte. Lightning, we have now, God dang, y'all, 
10,739 nodes, which is a 3% increase of the last 30 days. Number of channels is 35,000. Network capacity is holding strong at 855 BTC, which represents about 6.1 million USD. Uh, The number of new nodes that came online in the last 24 hours represents a 120% increase, and that would be 24 brand new nodes. New channels uh, standing at 150, which represents a 34% increase in the last 24 hours, and that's going to do it for your Vitalis. So it's Wednesday. You know what that means? Middle of the week. Probably a good time to spin up some Santana.
a bag of Matic? Well, if you do, you're not going to like this. Matic dramatically collapses 70% in one hour. Inside job or investor panic? This is Will Heisman writing for CCN.com. And this would be yesterday because that's when all this crap had basically started happening. Matic, one of the first tokens to originate upon Binance's launchpad, has witnessed one of the harshest dumps in crypto history, following falling a massive 66% in the space of an hour. Crypto Twitter is screaming today. Altcoins left, right, and center are dropping like stones. Still, one cryptocurrency is hurting more than any other. Matic. On December the 10th, the cryptocurrency, which has had an impressive price history, whatever, plummeted from its all-time high of $0.042 to a low of $0.011. Four cents to like one cent. My God almighty. Analyst Alex Kruger points out Matic's 70% crash, and this is Alex Kruger's tweet. Crypto, the stuff of dreams and nightmares. Matic was up 180% in two weeks before crashing 70% in an hour. Ironically, Matic was on a slow and steady incline in the weeks prior to this, climbing 180% to its price peak. This latest dump has undoubtedly left some investors ruined. I'll bet we're starting to see some uh, suicide hotline phone numbers being posted to the cesspool that is Reddit, but whatever, continuing. There doesn't appear to be any fundamental reason for the drop. As such, many have called out the project founders for dumping their tokens on the market. One user highlighted over 1.4 billion Matic tokens, which had been allegedly transferred to Binance in the past few months, an apparent attempt to dump the tokens at the all-time high. And this is basically, they're talking about this tweet from I Am Nomad, which is at I Am Nomad on Twitter. However, this figure was later deflated by Ethereum dev Eric Connor, who revealed that it was 290 million Matic sent to Binance rather than 1.4 billion, a significant difference when it comes to dumping on the market. And they give Eric's tweet. Reacting to what he dubbed FUD, Maddox's COO, Sandeep Nailwall, pleaded innocence, noting that the truth would come out sooner rather than later. And his, his, uh, uh, Sandeep's quote is, Just woke up to this nightmare due to a distress call by someone. It will be clear very shortly that we are not behind this, as some FUD accounts are trying to insinuate. We will post a detailed analysis, and we will come out stronger than ever from this evident manipulation. God, these, this sounds more and more like fucking politicians every damn day. God. <clears throat> Responding to this, clearly attempting to defend the Binance launch token, CZ jumped into the fray, clearing Maddox's name. The Binance boss promised an investigation into the data, adding that so far it appears that the project team wasn't involved. Yeah, and Mount Gox is solvent. CZ Binance says, Our team is still investigating the data, but it's already clear that the Matic team has nothing to do with it. A number of big traders panicked, causing a cycle. 
going to be a tough call on how much an exchange should interfere with people's trading. Oh, God. Instead, CZ suggested that it was a simple consequence of panic traders selling in waves and causing a domino effect. Nevertheless, not everyone bought the story at face value. Popular crypto Twitter personality, I am Nomad, refuted Matic and Binance's claims referring to the aforementioned transfer of funds. Providing evidence, Nomad posted a picture of the Matic group chat in which Nailwall highlighted Matic's recent unlock and release schedule. Nomad added that the total liquidation from the release schedule equaled the total sold today. Another crypto trader, Nick Core, agreed with Nomad, asserting that CZ's explanation left a lot to be desired. Quote, this narrative that a number of big traders panicked is absolute horseshit. I respectfully encourage you to show some kind of data that at least suggests this. I am certain that if some time was spent studying the public data on that sell-off, a different conclusion would be drawn. Other analysts concurred that things didn't quite add up. The crypto monk says, just look at the goddamn chart and tell me this is not an inside job, a big pile of inorganic. (laughs) And he just goes on. Uh, Although somewhat backing up CZ's claim is Maddox illiquidity. Sam Bankman fried or freed CEO of FTX believes that due to the relatively small size of the market, Maddox could have plunged with a quote, few people selling a lot. This could corroborate CZ's narrative of panic sellers causing an exaggerated decline, although coupled with the fact that Matic liquidated 3% of the total supply to Binance before the dump, it still doesn't look great. As for whether this was an inside job remains to be seen. As for now, heavy scrutiny from the community remains fixed on the project and its founders. Bullshit. You got you you got bag dumped, man. If you were holding Matic because reasons you got bag dumped is there proof no but still dude even if okay look even if it wasn't the founders maybe they were all asleep you know warm and and cuddly in their little beds and they woke up to this quote nightmare even if this whole thing of uh, what what sam bankman freed said Due to the relatively small size of the market, Matic could have plunged with, quote, a few people. That's not the bag you want to be holding. Even if it's not the founders, this is not the bag. This is not your bag. This not your bag. If something, I mean, we saw, yeah, we saw Bitcoin tumble from, uh, what was it, 19,200 at the top, but it didn't tumble 70% in a freaking hour. It took days to get all the way down to 3,600, like you know, weeks to get all the way down there. Yeah, there was a couple of really bad spikes going down, but it, was no, it wasn't an hour. They lost 75% in an hour. That's like, I think somebody calculated that out, that that was like, you lost 1% every 15 seconds for 30 straight minutes. So it was something like that. I can't remember. It was some, some guy's tweet, I guess, did the math or whatever. You, you can't fight that. You can't get to your shit and get it in a position to sell that fast. I mean, unless it's already there. And of course you don't keep your, your coins on exchanges or you do because of shit like this so that you can be prepared to wake up on an alarm 
and and get to your computer and hopefully it's already booted up and ready to go so that you can get to whatever exchange you're going to get to so you can sell that bag because a quote few people were able to completely destroy 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 your value so if you're one of the bag holders stop doing it um, we've been warning you for years to get out and punch out of this shit. It is not worth your time. It is not worth your money. It is certainly not worth your t- mental health. Oh, God. <clears throat> now, this one, Neuta launches hybrid full node slash SPV mobile Bitcoin wallet. Vlad Costia, writing for Bitcoin Magazine yesterday, says... On December the 9th, 2019, Nayuta announced the launch of what it claims to be the first application to enable a Bitcoin full node and SPV, simplified payment verification, node on mobile devices. The Japanese company, best known for releasing the fourth Lightning client or Lightning Network client, which operates on the grounds of the Bolt protocol, Tarmigan, has published the installation kit for its new wallet on GitHub. All Android phone users should be able to download and install Nayuta's wallet software, and the full validating node will automatically get pruned according to storage space availability. As portable solutions for Bitcoin sovereignty become more practical and popular among users, device manufacturers and developers are finding creative ways to maximize their potential. About a year ago, running Bitcoin and Lightning nodes required static hardware and a remote connection. Thanks to the contributions of Blockstream developer Lawrence Nahum, who worked extensively on the AB, on the AB Core project, now full Bitcoin nodes can run on any Android phone with enough storage space. Launched in October of 2019 during the Lightning Conference in Berlin, HTC's Exodus 1S was the first retail product to take advantage of this significant innovation. If the phone proves to be successful, then more manufacturers are expected to follow the trend. Interestingly, Neuta's wallet doesn't make use of the proprietary Tarmigan Lightning implementation and opts for the more popular LND. Quote, this product is actually separate from Tarmigan. Tarmigan is for IoT devices, whereas this new release is a mobile app running on Android, project lead developer Christian Moss clarified. In conjunction with the full node, the new release takes Bitcoin sovereignty and privacy on, on the go to a whole new level. However, it's its status as a full node SPV hybrid that appears to be the most intriguing, as many people who chose to validate their own transactions are unlikely to take a step back by putting trust in third parties. Quote, the full lightning or the full node lightning wallet is on mobile. So when people are out and about using the mobile wallet and they have limited data and battery life, it makes sense to use the hybrid. Then when they are at home with their mobile phone charging and on Wi-Fi, the full node can start syncing and validating the blockchain, Moss told Bitcoin magazine. Correspondingly, SPV mode is only for emergency situations when transactions really have to be made in critical conditions and access to mobile data and battery availability are scarce. For those seeking more technical details about Nayuta's hybrid full node and SPV lightning wallet, Moss has written an extensive article, and they link to it there. Its contents can serve as a step-by-step tutorial that users can follow in order to set up their wallet. So bitchin', man. <clears throat> I, 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 I like the idea of having a situation where when, when X is scarce, Y kicks in and when X becomes plentiful, Y shuts down and Z kicks in. I'm just saying, man, it, 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 
it makes a lot of sense it, that 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 ability to switch between a full node and an SPV situation that just makes a lot of sense because well just because what's this one oh god Justin son of Tron wishes to buy uh steam it guys Justin son wants to buy steam it now of of, of all things like okay this is out of coin speaker and let me get the uh who's the author come on give me the author oh Jeff Fox uh, he was writing yesterday that Steemit was launched in July of 2016 and can become a good additional network for Tron's business model. What? Announcing an announcement? <laughs> According to the Mars Finance Weibo channel, Justin Sun said that his company had re- uh, received two new companies during a series of acquisitions. Later, the secret source in Tron told Mars Finance that the plans to unite with Steemit are true. More than that, a Chinese news website Huaxon24 reported the same information. However, the article is gone from their website at time of writing. Justin Sun announced acquisitions via Twitter on December the 1st without revealing the details, though. Yeah, well, that's just freaking because that's what Justin Sun does. He announces announcements of announcements. Apparently, that's a business model. I don't know. The announcement came after Justin reportedly inked a deal with PoolX, a POS-based mining staking pool created by KuCoin, the pool will allow the Tron blockchain to safely operate within a next-gen POS mining network, but the deal is not an acquisition. It's a partnership. <laughs> Steemit.com is a distributed network where authors from across the planet share their investigations, news, thoughts on cryptocurrency, and computer technology. Steemit presents itself as a blogging stage, but with blockchain and tips in the native currency. Killer feature, the authors can receive tips right on the go, then send the money from the platform to exchange and dump it for cash. <clears throat> to avoid censorship, Twitter, Facebook, and Google are so famous for, Steemit stores user texts right on the blockchain, preventing rewrite attempts or third-party interference. Be careful, once you put the text into the Steemit blockchain, there's no way to delete them. <coughs> Excuse me, it's a little bit dry in the atmosphere today. The blockchain industry is still a wild west attracting different venture seekers like Justin Sun. Captured by the Chinese police, he was going to share a lunch with American trading shark Warren Buffett. Because Sun was released soon after talking to the authorities, we see that the cops won't halt Tron's inner workings. Oh, yes, they will. <laughs> Eventually, strategic membership is somewhat somewhat a common case in China where government officials come to the companies for a quick talk. The incident with Buffett shows a very good sign to all the Tron supporters. If Sun was manipulating the markets or is involved in a shady ICO scheme, the cops would not let him go. So he is a clean guy, at least by now. No, he's not. The poll by the Traders Community Veteran and Signal Profits host has ended on the 29th of November 2019. Results indicate that at least half of the 2,400 crypto men army is considering Justin Sun as a genius. (laughs) The question was whether Sun is a genius or just a lucky young entrepreneur. Jacob Canfield notes in his poll that Justin got the Poliniex exchange from Circle for Pennies, bought the cash flowing bit, uh, flowing BitTorrent, and sold copy-paste tokens for millions after announcing the announcements. Well, what to say? If you want to play tricky games, make sure that nobody can guess your real intentions. Genius. Yeah, you're a genius all the way up until you're not. 
the cops were able to find him once. If you don't think they're going to be able to find him again, you're wrong. And Tron, again, if you're holding a bag of anything but Bitcoin, dump it. Because this is just, is oh my God. The, rec- the reckless acquisitions of just, I mean, he bought, he bought Poloniex, trashed it, bought BitTorrent, trashed it, made it a, just a freaking embarrassment. And now he's going to do the same to steam it. Although he doesn't have a whole lot of work to do to make that look idiotic because I used to try to do steam, but I'm like, what's the, what's the point? There's nothing here that can't be done with Bitcoin. There, absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. So just keep that in mind while we talk about Preshu Garg's uh, article for CryptoSlate.com. Backs cash settled BTC futures launch with promising volume. This was sometime, yes, no, this was on the 9th. The much-awaited Bitcoin cash settled monthly futures from Backed launched on December the 9th recording a volume of 1250 BTC at press time. This is in sharp contract contrast to the 72 BTC backed saw traded on its futures debut earlier in September, which means that the company could be taking over a significant part of the market. The disappointing launch volumes of its futures contracts didn't stop back from taking over the crypto market with its Bitcoin futures volume up more than 62 per Why? Whoa, Lord have mercy. With its Bitcoin futures volume up more than 6,200% since launch, the ICE subsidiary announced the launch of two new markets, Bitcoin options and Bitcoin cash settled monthly futures. The reason I'm pausing there, and this is me talking here, is that they have made the unfortunate, BACT has made the unfortunate decision to call it Bitcoin cash settlement monthly futures, which leads people to think of Bcash, I'm going to try not to say it, the full name, but it, it it's doing, it's causing, it seems to be causing some confusion. They should just call it Bitcoin options and cash settled Bitcoin monthly futures. That would alleviate the problems. Continuing, announced earlier in November, the cash settled BTC futures, see, there you go, seemed to clash with the company's founding strategy, which was to separate itself from cash settled competitors. Nonetheless, the company went on to launch and the cash settled monthly BTC futures launched on December the 9th. According to Back's official statement, the new cash settled future contracts will be available on ICE Futures Singapore. The related exchange will allow uh, customers in Asia and abroad to gain or hedge exposure to Bitcoin safely and efficiently contracts will leverage the settlement price of the physically back, physically settled back monthly futures. The company said backs Bitcoin options are the first CFTC regulated option on futures contracts for Bitcoin. The contracts will also be based on backs Bitcoin monthly futures and settle into the underlying futures contract two days before they expire. Back COO Adam White said, quote, these new contracts represent an important milestone in the development of this emerging asset class in our Bitcoin product complex. In quote, White's statement is in line with the company's aggressive market takeover, which seems focused on outmuscling the Chicago Mercantile Exchange last month. White announced that the New York-based company had opened up its custody solution to any institutions looking to store their Bitcoin. According to Back's official website, the cash settled monthly future saw a volume of 1,250 BTC at 2.30 p.m. GMT, 
With a few more hours left before trading closes, the launch day volumes already look promising. Yes, that's the end of the article, but yes, they indeed they do. Because <clears throat> remember, the uh, the first futures debut that or the first futures product that Backed had debuted in September. Okay, and it had seventy two BTC, which everybody was like sneering at, thumbing their nose at, going, "See, this isn't ever going to work." institutional money is never going to come in. And then what happened? September, October, November, and here we are in the early part or almost getting into mid-December. So we'll we'll just say four months. Let's just say four months later, 6,200% increase in the futures volume on that particular product. This one started with 1,250 BTC out of the gate. Okay, so out of the gate for their first product was 72 out of the gate for this one was 1250 So do I think that there, that there's going to be a 70 or a 6,200% increase in the, in the volume on this one? No, this is probably 1250 BTC because of their first product. So don't expect that, but still pretty damn good numbers, man. I'm, I'm, I'm digging the metrics. Although if you're digging these metrics, then there might be something wrong with you because MakerDAO responds to dev accusing network of $340 million vulnerability. This is Joe Airy Kant reporting for Cointelegraph sometime yesterday. The Maker Foundation has announced a series of governance polls aimed at security after software developer Micah Zoltu explained how any hacker with $20 million at their disposal could stage an attack on the MakerDAO network and steal close to $340 million. In a December 9th blog post, the Maker Foundation interim risk team announced a series of governance polls into his voting system with one poll asking the maker community whether the government governance security model should be upgraded from zero seconds to 24 hours. Earlier on December 9th, Zoltu had made the claim that it would cost a hacker around 20 million to attack the maker down network and potentially walk away with $340 million worth of ether locked within the maker Dow. Zoltu said, quote, maker Dow version two was supposed to launch with safeguards against a hostile maker uh, M- MKR holder stealing all collateral and potentially robbing a good chunk of Uniswap compound and other systems integrated with maker in the process. Instead, they decided not to. Let's pause, shall we, and read that quote one more time slowly. MakerDAO version 2 was supposed to launch with safeguards against a hostile Maker holder stealing all collateral and potentially robbing a good chunk of Uniswap compound and other systems integrated with Maker in the process. Instead, they decided not to. So they were supposed to launch with safeguards, but yeah, they decided not to. Continuing, Zoltu explained that the MakerDAO attempts to mitigate the threat of nefarious exploits by enforcing the GSM delay after each new contract is chosen. The safety period allows for the network to check the contract and decide whether it was malicious or not. However, during this delay, it is also possible a malicious actor with sufficient funds could show up and vote up their own contracts programmed to steal all of the collateral. Zoltu said that it currently would take around 80000 maker or about $41 million to do just about whatever you want them to do. Well, hold on. Let me read that again. Zoltu said that it currently would take around 80,000 maker or about 41 million to do quote, 
just about whatever you want to, the maker contracts, end quote. <clears throat> Zoltu further claimed that the value of the GSM delay is currently set at zero seconds, which gives network defenders no possibilities to defend against an attack launched by a wealthy but malicious party. Although Zoltu stated in his blog post that Maker is not willing to give up instantaneous governance control to protect against this kind of attack, the Maker Foundation interim risk team did add a poll on the issue. Should the proposal to introduce the governance security model pass, then the GSM delay would be increased from zero to 24 hours, giving defenders ample time to prevent or fight back against a malicious attack. A poll! Oh my God. Just let's just run a poll. Let's ask a whole bunch of people who have no idea how the hell this even freaking works, or at least a majority of them, what we're going to do to safeguard their money. Yeah, that'll work. That's going to be just fine. No, no, this is fine. Doc gif. Seriously, bro. Ali. I wish they'd give like last names like Prince. I mean, and like Madonna, I mean, is, is this, is this what they put on their tax returns? Madonna, 1040 easy. I, anyway, so this is a guy named Ali writing for Bitcoinist.com. Bitcoin ransomware attacks hits Argentinian government. <laughs> I should have bought Bitcoin instead of shitting on it. <clears throat> For all the positive changes that cryptocurrencies have brought over the last few years, there are still those who would use them to harm others. A perfect example of this is a hacker that recently attacked a major data center in Argentina, locking away 10 years worth of government files. The attack supposedly took place two weeks ago, November the 25th, according to Argentina's Minister of Science and Technology, Alicia Banuelos. Banuelos revealed that some details regarding the incident in a recent interview with Agencia de Noticia de San Luis, which is the government's main digital news outlet. In an interview on December the 2nd, she revealed that hackers invaded a data center used by the government and that they encrypted around 7.7 gigabytes of data. That is not a whole lot. Wow. According to her assessment, this is around 10 years worth of information. However, in a week following the attack, the government managed to recover the majority of the encrypted data, around 90%. Banuelos added that the job is still far from over and that decrypting the files fully will take at least 15 more days. The amount of information that was encrypted was huge, hence the delay in recovering the files. As with all ransomware attacks, the hackers demanded payment and they wanted it delivered in the form of Bitcoin. Banuelos did not reveal the exact amount that was demanded, but some reports claim that the amount was between 5 and 50 BTC. While hackers tend to target the private sector with this type of attack, this is by no means a rule and they will attack any company, individual or entity in order to get paid. Even governments have become popular targets for these type of attacks. Okay, so that's that's all that there is to that. But yet, you know, Argentina is not very Bitcoin friendly, and yet they got their asses handed to them. Although, if this is to be believed, they got some of their data back through being able to decrypt it, which probably means that the hackers are not really good at their jobs. <laughs> anyway, okay, this one. If you haven't heard of this by now, then you're either still asleep <clears throat> or um, not on Twitter or not listening to any of the outlets for anything about Bitcoin. <clears throat> Colin Post is writing for Cointelegraph.com. Three men arrested for running alleged $722 million crypto Ponzi scheme. 
This one gets interesting. And let's start here. United States authorities in New Jersey have announced the arrest of three men who were accused of defrauding investors of over $722 million as part of an alleged crypto Ponzi scheme, BitClub Network. Keep BitClub in mind for later. Per a December 10th announcement from the Department of Justice, According to the press release, BitClub Network promised massive rates of return in exchange for investments in a shared cryptocurrency mining pool. The parties at the center of the scheme then allegedly misappropriated over $722 million of those funds into their own lavish living rather than the promised mining pool. Authorities further accused the three men arrested of falsifying information on returns in order to solicit more investment as well as the three accused are, oh, sorry, as well as, and that's the end of the sentence. That's a bad, I mean, literally it just no period, no nothing. It just, in order to solicit more investment as well as what? Editors. The three accused are Matthew Gotesh and Jabadiah Weeks, both from Colorado, and Joseph Abel of California. Authorities are charging the first two with conspiracy to commit wire fraud, which carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison, as well as conspiracy to offer and sell unregistered securities. Abel, who was apparently less central to the scheme, has only been charged with, uh, with conspiracy to offer and sell unregistered securities, a charge that carries a maximum prison term of five years. The press release mentions additional conspirators who have not been named or charged with crimes. This is not the first indication that BitClub may not be a fully above-board operation. Back in 2016, crypto news outlet 99Bitcoins warned against investing in BitClub, despite removing an earlier scam label from the company. The author, Ofer Beagle, explained, quote, After gathering the facts, I can't prove the BitClub network is a scam beyond a shadow of a doubt. I do, however, still think the BitClub network's business model is lacking and wouldn't invest in it personally, end quote. Back in March of 2017, Cointelegraph reported on accusations that BitClub had launched a malleability attack on the Bitcoin network. Arguably the most famous crypto exit scam in history, the case of OneCoin, has seen notable recent legal action. In November, a jury in Manhattan found an attorney guilty, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know why the hell they're putting that in there. So we'll just end it there. Um, Now, BitClub Network. Famously, Roger Ver comes up into this picture because Roger Ver apparently, whenever it was, probably somewhere around 2017, had a kind of famously deleted a tweet. Now, according to that particular video, Roger Ver says he's only ever deleted. This will only be the second tweet that he's ever deleted. Who is he with when he's in the, in this video? Well, he's with the guys from bit club because his tweet stated that bit club was a, it was either, he either stated it full out that it was a Ponzi. And if, but if it wasn't a Ponzi, he said some very derog made some very derogatory comments about the efficacy of, of investing in such a thing as bit club. Well, the reason that he was chilling out with bit club guys is because on camera, he was going to delete that tweet, which thereby kind of gave them some street cred at the time before Roger had completely ruined what was left of his, you know, what was left of his reputation. So by deleting that tweet on camera, and that was widely circulated, even Roger himself tweeted that particular video out. And I remember seeing it, but I didn't know what, what the hell bit club was at the time. But looking back on it now, this seems to be a pattern of behavior with Roger. Think of this. 
Remember the hostage video that he put out where he was obviously reading from a prepared statement on some screen where he was giving the all clear to Mount Gox days before it crashed. Days before. Roger is always finding himself on the wrong side of these things. Do not buy Bcash. Stay away from it. Run as far away from it as you can because it's run by somebody who deals with scammers all the time. Just, just saying, man. Christine Velazeva, <clears throat> sorry, Vel, what is it? Uh, Vasileva is writing for the Bitcoinist.com. Bitcoin hash rate futures coming in 2020. Mining boom inbound. Damn. This is going to be really interesting. Mining companies may benefit from a growing market for Bitcoin derivatives to finance and support their power-hungry operations. In 2019, despite price fluctuations, mining activity remains near all-time highs. Mining is becoming large-scale business in 2019, with big pools and ASIC producers once again coming into the spotlight. Canaan Mining even managed to launch its IPO on NASDAQ, selling its shares through a listed shell company. But now... A special product may be created for miners to directly hedge against the fluctuating Bitcoin hash rate in the coming months, reported Reuters. Smaller miners, mining pools are highly vulnerable to swings in the hash rate as large-scale pools take up more than half of Bitcoin blocks. Larger operators can also afford more powerful ASICs or supply run, or, or simply run more machines on cheap hydroelectric power. Quote, the trend in hash rate is upwards. Unless miners increase production, they will get fewer Bitcoin with the same power, said Michael Rocks, author of a Cambridge University study on mining. A a high hash rate means more need for competition as well as more difficult mining conditions. Hash rate is not a constant and difficulty readjust every 2016 blocks, changing the potential to earn BTC rewards. The Bitcoin network hash rate fluctuated wildly in the past couple of weeks, moving between a low of 74 exahashes per second and a normal range near 100 exahashes per second. During that time, difficulty rose sharply once, then diminished slightly again. Derivatives based on information about the Bitcoin hash rate are offered by the DAG Global, a London-based crypto startup that claims to be a cryptocurrency merchant bank. Quote, as the hash rate changes, you can go from being profitable to losing money very quickly. The contract insures you against that. It's like insurance. And for that, you pay a premium. So the leeches are out in full force, said Robert Anderson, who leads DAG's digital asset sales. Mining profitability is also highly dependent on Bitcoin spot price. Miners usually attempt to sell some of the BTC earned to fund their operations. Derivatives and future markets offer a way to hedge against the price risk. Another firm, GSR, is also preparing to build a product based on hash rate risk, but deems the market as nascent and may delay the launch by months. Mining operations with with slightly higher electricity costs may need to be careful about their break-even prices. For Chinese Bitcoin mining farms, hydroelectric power has periods of very low prices, breaking even at lower BTC valuations. The Bitcoin network consumes more than 73 terawatts per hour annualized, slightly more than the economy of Austria. About 50% of that energy goes to four of the biggest mining pools. So a derivative on hash rate, uh, that really surprised me. Uh, futures contracts and all you know all the rest of these these instruments that are being designed you know are 
kind of around price or, you know, possibly volume. This is the first one that I've seen that directly commoditizes a feat, a technical feature of the Bitcoin network. And it's fascinating. Is it good? Hell, I don't know. It's probably, it, if it's done correctly, however the hell that, whatever the hell that means, then I can see it being a boon to uh, miners. But it's, you know, even if it's, I don't know, it's just, uh, the whole thing is fascinating because it, you know, at what point do they commoditize the difficulty? And I'm I'm sure they wouldn't because difficulty is going to be, you know, linked to hash rate. So there, that would be a pretty good predictor. So it may not be a, a viable uh, instrument to build, but still, I mean, what else in, in, what else is there in Bitcoin? Could you hedge against, is it possible to have a con, you know, some kind of derivative that is a one-time deal where the first time somebody successfully gets Bitcoin to fork to beyond 21 million coins and they win big because of that. I don't know, but still hash rate. I'm actually going to be kind of sit as, as kind of neutral on this. I'm not going to be yay, you know, say yay or nay either way on that one because it is rather fascinating. Uh, and this one is kind of too, is a little bit more on the legal side. Helen parts is writing for coin telegraph BNY Mellon and Credit Suisse involved in Telegram's $1.7 billion sale, says report. This was released sometime yesterday. Two global financial giants were reportedly involved in Telegram's $1.7 billion gram token sale in 2018. Telegram allegedly informed its investors that it was using BNY Mellon and Credit Suisse to move and store fiat currency raised in the Graham sale. Industry publication Coindesk reports citing court filings released on December the 10th. Sharam Prakra, a Telegram employee who is expected to give a deposition before the New York Southern District Court today, reportedly provided details on how Telegram will process the raised funds in a series of messages attached to the courtroom documents. In one of the messages, Pareka, I can't pronounce his name, I'm sorry, guy, reportedly provided international bank code for moving money to Credit Suisse via the SWIFT network. He said, quote, we will receive the funds through BNY, which will be forwarded, which will forward the funds to CSAG for final credit to Credit Suisse AG. According to the report, both Mellon or BNY Mellon and Credit Suisse declined to comment on the issue. Moreover, the messages in the filings reportedly disclosed name of investors, names of investors that participated in the Graham token sale. As such, venture capital firm Kleiner Perkins reportedly poured in $20 million in Grams, while Lightspeed Ventures Chinese wing Lightspeed China invested $25 million and FBG Capital invested $10 million. <clears throat> According to messages between Nikolai Orushkin and Telegram's former chief investment advisor, James Hyman, the, high, the, the wide list of investors also include a California-based fund managed by Elysium, or Elysium Ventures, which reportedly invested $12 million in total. Other investors include Foursquare co-founder Naveen Sarudflad, WordPress founding developer Matt Mullenweg, Yelp CEO Jeremy Stoppelman, True Venture Partners Am Malik, and or Malik and former TechCrunch co-editor in chief Alexia bon, Bonastos, as well as fashion tycoon Silas Chow. <clears throat> Additionally, Hyman reported 
or reportedly revealed that a significant amount of investment comes from Russia. Oh God. And the countries of the Commonwealth of independent state from resources connected to telegrams founder, Pavel Durov, as reported, Durov will give a deposition between before court reporters on January the 7th or 8th, 2020, a deposition by telegrams, vice president, Ilya Perepsky is scheduled for December 16th, 2019, on December the 7th, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission requested the High Court of England and Wales to push Hyman to testify in the case. So, yeah, there, you know, a whole bunch of people are now implicated in what is an illegal and unregistered token sale. They're not going to get out of this shit, man. So, it, 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 uh, see, that's that's just how bad shit coinery is. I mean, you can sucker in somebody like BNY Mellon, who clearly doesn't know what the hell's going on, and you can sucker them for that much money. And all the rest of these guys, my God Almighty, like all the names on this list are like huge names, and they're I don't know, they're all involved in in in, in this whole Graham sale. So if it goes south, it may pull down a whole bunch of people along with it. I'm not going to shed one single tear. Why? Because it's a shit coin. That's your morning roundup. Daily train wreck brought to you by Mark Cuban, who says too difficult to use, too easy to hack, way too easy to lose, says Mark Cuban. There is no chance Bitcoin becomes a reliable currency. And you have to listen to him because Mark's a billionaire. That means he knows everything about all things, right? Wrong. Mark, dude, today you're the smoldering pile. Terrible Joke Corner, brought to you as always by Dad Says Jokes, not a sponsor. To the guy who stole my antidepressants, I hope you're happy. (laughs) Yes, sir. That's a hell of a bad joke. It sure is, man. In fact, it was so bad, I actually had to kind of correct it. Because the punchline was, I hope you're happy now. And I felt that it was better to delete the now part and just go, I hope you're happy. Gives it a little bit more of a feel. Ah, well, whatever, man, I'm not a freaking comedian. Um, although I, I guess I, uh, at least I'm, at least I'm not under indictment for a scam coin. That's all I can say. It's, uh, it had been brought to my attention, however, that none of the, this isn't the guy, any of the guys that are named in the, um, uh, Bit Club uh, news article that that I was reading, but there's another guy that's involved with that thing, who's apparently uh, a registered sex offender in Las Vegas, man. So I'm telling you guys, this space it attracts some of the worst sort of people that you'll ever ever know in your entire life, and you have to be on guard at all times. This is one of the reasons why not only do I not shitcoin, I tell everybody else not to. Is it because I've looked deeply into each and every product or project that is not Bitcoin? 
No, it's because it's easier. It's simply easier on my mind and my body. And it, 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 I don't have to like give any of my time over to these freaking people because I have yet to find one of them, one of them that isn't shady. Well, maybe, I don't know, maybe fluffy pony, but there's going to be some shady shit there too, because Last I heard, he walked into a room wearing a watch worth like, I think it was like a million dollars. And I'm like, huh, I wonder how you get that much money to buy a watch. Because if you can, if you can throw down a million dollars on a fucking watch, then you've got lots of millions of dollars to throw down in other places. Why does that concern me? Monero. I mean, was Fluffy rich to begin with? And I'm not calling him out. I actually rather like Fluffy Pony, but... Come on, man. I mean, dude, a million dollar watch, dude, that's your, no, that's whatever. Because I, like I said, unless you were a millionaire to begin with, then the only way that you got that money is somehow through the whole Monero thing. And that's not why we're here. That's not why we're, we're not here to pilfer people's wallets on the street selling them some kind of garbage pie in the sky project, which either doesn't work or you don't care that it's going to work. Half of these, they don't even work on. They get the money and then all development stops. And there's even worse. There's people that have had hundreds of millions of dollars invested in their companies and they didn't even have a working product all because they said the word blockchain. This space is as toxic as it can possibly be to you and your money if you had any sense about you whatsoever, you'd stay away and only buy Bitcoin. I'm serious, man. It's the only thing that does not go through these scam cycles. If you want to find yourself in a scam cycle, by all means, that's your right. You go right ahead. When you call me and a whole bunch of other people in the space, assholes and toxic and ludicrous and all the other names that we've been called, remember OneCoin, BitConnect, BitClub, and all the rest that we called, all of them, all of the rest that we called, either last year, the year before, or the year before that. Just saying, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.